Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Finding Home podcast, where, as you know, I say, home is more than just the sticks and the bricks that you live in. My name is Keith, and I am your host today. I have just a really fantastic interview with a good friend of mine. His name is Joshua Oman. He's one half of the creative team behind an independent comics company called Black Omen Comics. They're based here in Utah. So we chat a little bit about his upbringing, what keeps him here in Utah, what he likes about here, and then we discuss these comics. And I can tell you, once we were all done, he actually gave me a copy of a couple of the books, and they are really, really fantastic. I mean, I want to let him describe how they're put together, because he does a better job than I could. But this is just some fantastic artwork and some really compelling storytelling. So I really, really recommend that you either go to your local comic shop and look up Uh, this particular comic or follow them on Facebook. All the links are going to be here on the show notes of the episode. So just go to the website, go to the show notes, you'll have the link out to Black Omen Comics and see what they're working on because it's some really fantastic stuff, some really compelling ideas. And I was really excited to be able to talk with Josh. So with that, we'll move right into the interview. Thanks so much for for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Um, everybody, like I said in the intro, I'm sitting down with Joshua Oman. Do, do you go by Joshua professionally, or is it still just Josh Oman? What's the Josh is fine. Josh is fine. Okay, yep. and he no is uh, happy to be here. He is a just a fantastic. He does everything. I, I can't think of something he doesn't do. He makes independent films. He writes screenplays, and what we're going to talk about a little further on is he also. Uh, has an original uh, now it's a is it a print comic or just a web comic it is uh mm-hmm. we have a print comic the sci-fi one is a print one called purge worlds mm-hmm. and we have a viking one that is a web comic okay we'll get into that very cool very cool so <clears throat> i've known i've known josh a good long while and that's part of the reason he agreed to do this because as i say often i think i just know all of the coolest people and some very cool people have decided they will go ahead and come on this this thing. Yeah, let's it? be honest. It's the only reason. I'm doing it. If a stranger asked me to just come on and talk about it, I probably wouldn't. But. And that's, that's what I'm saying. I know, I know good people. Josh, why don't you start? I mean, this podcast ostensibly is just about what it's like to live in Utah, specifically along the Wasatch Front. Tell us essentially your Utah history, how you came to be here, what what keeps you rooted here. Yeah, cool. Uh, I feel like my family kind of belongs in Utah. They were very, very early Mormon settlers. My father and grandfather were both born in Price, Utah, and eventually they moved away to Washington where my dad met my mom. They met in high school and they started dating. They went to college and eventually ended up back in Utah, but not before I was born. I was born up in Spokane and I lived there for only a few months, maybe six months, and then my family moved here. So although I was born in Washington, I spent all my life here in Utah. I grew up in Sandy, down on 106 South and State Street. And at the time, I remember thinking that it was the middle of nowhere. Honestly, between us and the state prison, the only thing I could remember was this little bar called Willow's End (laughs) on... State Street and 114th South that I thought, what derelicts must <laughs> occupy that bar? Because on a, and if you escape from prison, the only thing out there by the prison, which as you know, now they're trying to move it and there's, there's a civilization just sprung up around it. But back then there were only 
houses out there and they were all guard shacks. So if anyone escaped from prison, all these houses would, the guards would let their bloodhounds out. <laughs> it was the middle of nowhere. So I felt like we were on the edge of civilization when we moved to Sandy. That's been interesting to see Utah kind of grow up, uh, grow up around us. I spent a stint uh, at college in New Mexico and I lived in the Philippines during a Mormon mission for two years where I met my wife. And she immigrated here. Her name is Mildred. I know, right? Mildred. It's like one of the old classic <laughs> names. Oh, look, man, I'm, I'm used to it now. <laughs> right. But I, I do remember the first time you told me about Mildred. Right. And uh, my wife, Tia, and I, we were driving home, and I was like, Mildred? Mildred, huh? <laughs> yeah. Mildred's very popular in the Philippines. It's still like some of those old classic names like Grace or Rose. And, and people here always ask, well, do you call her Millie? Nope. She's just Mildred. Just Mildred. And if she has a nickname, it's Dread. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, she, she moved here. We've been married for 13 years and, uh, we decided to stay in Utah. Uh, I still have a brother here. My parents are here. I find that when I move away from Utah, one of the things I miss most is the mountains. They orient me. I feel like I always know where the sun comes up. I know where east is and west is. And sometimes when I travel, I'm just not even sure what direction I'm driving, you know? And I like, there's something comforting about being this close to the mountains. Uh, there's no city like Salt Lake. Got a lot of the amenities of a big city. Don't have much traffic. You're 15 minutes away from some of the coolest mountains uh, and camping and a few hours away from the Red Rocks in the south. Utah's a really unique place because of geography. People are cool. And Salt Lake itself is kind of a fun little culture, cultural island amidst a mm. very much more conservative kind of base of Utah. And I really like how dynamic Salt Lake feels. It's fun. I like it here. And we'll probably stay for a while longer. You just reminded me that. So I, I, I also, again, grew up here. And you talk about down to the south, the arches, all the national parks, essentially, and the state parks. I just barely started going to those maybe four years ago for mm. the first time. It was ridiculous. It's not like forcing my kids to go on these hikes because it's like, no, you have to see the things that exist in your state. Yeah. I, uh, I used to think arches was, and it still might be one of my, it, definitely one of my favorite places, but I had never been to Zion's until about three or four years ago. Like you're saying, I went to mm -hmm. Zion's and did the Angel's Landing hike and it was just one of the coolest experiences. I... I really, really like it here. And there's tons to do, especially if you're into winter sports. We have kind of a long winter. So if you're into winter sports and you can ski and later on in the week, you can be in the middle of the desert. And that's really cool. I want to circle back to the Angels Landing hike. Tell me more about that. What was it that made that so... I mean, it's an iconic hike, but tell me totally. what, what it was for you. Angels Landing is one of the peaks. It's not the highest peak in Zions, but it's got this great view. It's kind of in the middle of the park. And... To get up there, you go on the, a lot of switchbacks, so it's very exhausting. You, you kind of get up, and you get to this one stretch, and you can stop there, and have, you have a great view, or you can make the choice to cross this chasm that's 1,200 feet down on one side and 800 feet on the other with a little path of rock no wider than a sidewalk. And there's a chain you can hold on to, but that's it. There's no ropes. You don't tie in. You just walk. And I remember getting up there, feeling pretty tired, and thinking... This is pretty good. I could do this, and I'm so glad I made the choice to go across there. And there were a few times where my heart was just racing on Angel's Landing because, not because I was tired, just the thrill of being there. And there's a couple places where I'm holding on to a chain, 
And I know if I let go, I'm dead. Like I fall and someone falls off. I mean, people fall off that thing all the time. But if you, uh, if you're careful, you won't. And I got up to the top and when I got up there, it's, it's the most natural high I've ever been. I just, it was this rush of adrenaline and joy and one of the most breathtaking views I've ever seen. It's really cool. And I'd highly encourage anyone to do it. You might have to overcome your fears a little bit to do it, but it was really cool. Have you done that one? I, I haven't. I've, I've done very short hikes in Zion, but I've had my kids with me and uh, my kids aren't old enough to do a hike like Angels Night. Well, the younger two aren't. I think the older two might be able to, to yeah. hack it. Cause I mean, they've, but they've been up to, to de- we've been up to delicate and landscape. Totally. Like we did a lot of in arches and Bryce Canyon. We've done quite a bit of hikes in, but Zion has been our, our less <laughs> traveled park. So we, it's so busy are, now. You used to be able to drive up through it and now you have to take shuttles yeah, and take shuttles. Super, and super busy. But, um, if you kind of go during the off season, it's better anyway, because it's not as hot. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, that's, it, it's on, it's on the docket. Like I said, I, we just started, we have like a checklist of parks we want to do. Tia actually just did Angel's Landing in March at a retreat she went on and she had a very similar experience. It so was just, so cool. The feeling of that, that you accomplished this thing that seemed so daunting and the payoff at the end was just so huge for her. Yeah. It, it there's sounds, a lot of metaphors in there. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, always, always a metaphor. <laughs> Anything else that, that keeps you sticking around, family, and that it's a really cool place to live I is what, is what I picked up. Yeah, and then, well, so I graduated f- with a degree in film from the New- University of Utah, and I actually worked in documentary film in San Francisco for a while, and then I started looking for more film jobs and film projects. And I was looking, I was interviewing with a couple places. I was looking at Austin and Seattle, but I did happen to land a video producer job with an agency in Salt Lake. So that's the other thing keeping me here. Mm. Um, uh, it's really cool company called Experticity, and we create dynamic content for some of the coolest brands around. Just this year, I've already shot with Reebok and Tom's and Quicksilver, a bunch of other really cool brands. And so that's fun. Yeah, I have a job that um, <laughs> is keeping me here too, but, and I travel a ton with it. And so I do feel like I get a chance to get out. So, yeah, you know, your Facebook posts make me a little bit jealous because you, you travel. <laughs> and, and I don't like traveling for work per se, but you get to go to some pretty cool places and then it looks like you're doing some pretty cool things with, with content. Yeah. You know, like you're not just making your standard 30 second spot for, you know, something. It, yeah, they feel more like little mini documentary films, you know, because instead of like doing an ad on a shoe or something, we go in and we talk to the artist and the designer and why they come up with it and what was their inspiration and kind of do deep dives on that. So that's really fun. Uh, so those are the big things keeping me here. Um, mm-hmm. My wife, obviously, like I say, is from the Philippines and she likes to uh, travel back there. So we go back there every once in a while, but I don't know if we'll ever move there. Maybe when we retire, oh. you know, I don't think we want to like try to put our kids through school there or try to try to make a go for it in the, in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, well, so, I mean, the, the reason we're here is to, to talk about a, a project you're currently working on uh, called black omen comics. Right. And so why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about how, how that came to be. I know it's you and, and, uh, your, like you told me what the title is. What, what's, well, he's the illustrator, the illustrator, uh, thank the you. writer. Yeah. And there, T- tell us how that came to be. And kind of what, no, just go, man. Well, so I, I've always written screenplays and 
and I've always been interested in art and there's some art you can create on your own. You can draw or you can paint or even things that you write can sometimes, but film, which is like my main love is always something that requires tons of other resources and people. So there's big stories you want to tell that require a lot of collaboration. And, uh, I moved into a neighborhood a couple years ago. Well, at this point it's like four years ago, four or five years ago. And, I had been reading a lot of comics. I'd never written any comics, but I'd just been reading a lot of comics because I'm a fan. And I thought, you know, they comic books are telling really cool stories, stories that you might see in film. But the cool thing about it is because you have an illustrator, there's no budget. So there's no limit on what your special effects budget can be. There's no limit on where you can go with your imagination. And I happened to be living in this little cul-de-sac and in the circle just across the street was a friend named Chris. So I'm Josh Oman. His name's Chris Black. And we met up and just started talking and, and I was trying to start writing a comic book and he'd been doing the same. He was writing and drawing a comic book and we decided to collaborate. And so we came together and a cousin of mine has a band called Conquer Monster and they wanted to work on a concept album. And so all of these kind of pieces came together and Conquer Monster, who's Daniel Romero and Josh Faulkner, my cousin, they wanted to have a comic book to go along with their album. And so they asked us to put together this comic and that became the genesis of the idea. So we wrote a comic called Purge Worlds and there's a soundtrack that goes along with it. And I'll share the links with you so that you cool, can... Yeah. We'll put those up on the yeah on the post. Share it with your millions of listeners. <laughs> be... Tens and tens of people listening right now. <laughs> yes! Yes. And so uh, we wrote this big, long story and we broke it into six issues and we've just released issue two and we've debuted both of them, issue one and issue two at different visits of Salt Lake Comic Con. And that's been fun. So uh, in addition to, th- to this kind of more long tail project of a sci-fi comic called Purge Worlds, we also have a Viking web comic about these three shield maidens that uh, are living in a violent and crazy world and mixing the ideas of what it's like to be a woman and a a mother and um yeah it's two dudes writing about the woman experience (laughs) oh come on you just took away my my best comment (laughs) so what what brought you into a project like that what's the name of the web comic it's called valkyrie falls valkyrie falls you know i have a wife who i love very much who's very talented and i think she's extremely interesting and i have a daughter and i want the world to be awesome for her and I wanted to write something where we start seeing some women protagonists doing things. Mm. And I disagree with the notion that you hear sometimes that you write only what you know. Mm. I think you should also write what you're interested in and research as much as you can and try to get it right and talk to people. But that's also kind of why I did a webcomic because I can pivot very quickly with a webcomic. I can be talking about a topic and if the feedback I get or the friends I talk to or the feelings I have about it change, I can pivot very quickly from it. And a lot of what it is is tongue in cheek, but it's kind of a little feminist piece that I want to share with the world. I was very, very excited about the recent Star Wars movie with Rey being a woman Jedi and Wonder Woman's coming out soon. And I, I'm excited about giving my little girl people to look up to, you know? And so that's why I wanted to write that project. And <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny that you have two dads that are writing the story of these moms, but we appreciate the women in our life. And and we've also tried to engage a lot. So I've engaged other 
woman writers who help write some of the strips and mm-hmm. illustrate some of the strips. It's not just Chris that does the illustration on those strips. We involve a lot of other really talented artists and writers to try to kind of tell this story surrounded around these three Viking women. Well, it's such a cool kind of thing to do, you know, and you, you got to walk that fine line, right? When you're aware of it. I don't know. It seems like it'd be different if you weren't aware. You're like, and then I'm, I'm writing this, this stories about these powerful women, but didn't acknowledge what you just did. And it's, it's an interesting place for somebody to end up as a man, right? Mm-hmm. What, you know, for some people, feminist is like this dirty word. What, what brought you into that? Like, what in your life allowed you to to just embrace that to embrace feminism as a as a as a concept as something that you want to fight for and believe in yeah i think that i think it's a good question because i think until maybe very recently the term feminist had a specific type of imagery with it right mm-hmm. and it was always a woman and it was always an angry woman you know and i have no problem saying i'm a feminist i don't fit what a lot of people might think of the imagery around uh, what it is to be feminism, feminist. But I, I think that that is part of why I'm interested in doing a project like that is because uh, we all need allies. And I recognize that as a white man, I live in a world that is perfectly suited for my own success, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I have advantages that other people don't simply because of my birth circumstances. And I want to try to use some of that privilege that I have to help other people. If it comes down to the people I'm helping is my wife and daughter by just talking about these topics and encouraging them to be heroic and heroes of their own stories and to be interesting, I think that's good. And then I can explore my more masculine challenges in my sci-fi comic purge worlds because our protagonist is a dude in that one (laughs) so i actually want to talk about both of these comics a little more in detail let's get back to to purge worlds and then we'll circle back to to valkyrie falls okay in terms of i mean i understand there's it's a comic book that's in tandem with this music that conquer monster is making tell us a little bit more about the the protagonist the the story what makes it compelling what would make somebody want to go out and pick up your comic books you know, I have talked with Chris a lot, and there's no doubt that uh, this is still a collaborative medium, but like a lot of my job is writing up front, and then I hand a script over to Chris, who spends 10 times as much time and energy <laughs> drawing all of these things as I did writing them. And usually that means I'm off writing some other project or pretending to write another project while Chris is slaving away drawing things. And I think that the traditional way of like picking up a comic book. Uh, you see it on a store shelf, you know, and indie comics are kind of changing the way this happens. There's a lot of ways to get them online or at conventions and things. But still, I think the initial thing that will get you to buy a comic book is the art on it. And Chris is a fantastic artist. He's done a lot of he has some cool kind of like horror themed art and some just really cool superhero type stuff. And we wanted to do this sci-fi book. And so the first thing that I think someone might pick up and see is that it's just really, really good art. And it's interesting. but After picking up and kind of getting to the art, I think the thing that keeps a person coming back to a comic book and reading it over and over is the story. And that's where I think Purge Worlds really shines, is both a combination of great art with a cool story. And Purge Worlds is a story of this guy, Brandon Lau, who far in the future is the galaxy's greatest assassin, but he's done. He wants to be done killing, he wants to get out, and he is trying to stop. But of course, the people who've hired him and trained him don't want to let him go. So that's the kind of the impetus for the conflict in it. Mm-hmm. And we have some interesting, cool technology at play here. We have a thing called metatransit, 
which is the name of Conquer Monsters' album. And metatransit is the ability to travel via radio waves at the speed of light. The idea is that every person, so Keith and Josh, each of us have our own songs. And the songs contain everything. They contain our memories and our abilities and every nuance and every dream we've ever had are contained in this song. And of course, as you go through a story, the song changes. And so listening to the album while reading the book, you start seeing these themes. The characters each have themes and this song can then be played and sent via radio waves to other locations. And then all of those things, your physical attributes, your memories are loaded into what we call pod bodies. So essentially you drop, you slough off one pod body here, you travel via your song to another place, get loaded into another pod body. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're boggling my brain, man. I I can't even wrap my brain around coming up with concepts like that. Well, read the book, but you're a musician. You write music. And there's there's kind of what I love about it. Right. Yeah. That the, the incorporation of the song into transits. It's just, I don't ever connect those dots. Well, so it's always impressive to me when, when somebody, you know, a song is like three to five minutes, but it seems to have so much more life than that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, I went to, um, the U2 concert in Pasadena just a couple weeks ago and we're listening and it's the Joshua tree reunion. And here they are 30 years later playing these songs and it's 11 songs and each of them are no more than about four minutes long, but every one of them seems to just have an eternal story to them. And so that's part of what I like about the idea too, is what's happening to this person's psyche while they're traveling. And it's just, it's the speed of light, but the song is just three to five minutes long. And what's happening there? You know, when you tell a story in your music, I imagine that there's an entire, sometimes an entire life of experiences that's all kind of influencing that. And so I also like to think that during metatransit and during the speed of light travel, what's happening to this person's mind? Are they living another life? Are they having another experience? Or perhaps we right now, just in between metatransits, mm. are we just in the middle of a song? <laughs> <laughs> so where can, where can somebody pick up Purge Worlds? Are they at like, the uh, they local are in, shops? They're in local shops all okay. around Salt Lake. If you go in, you can find um, Black Woman Comics. Most of the local shops have them. And then you can also contact us on our Facebook page. We have Black Woman Comics on Facebook and blackwomancomics.com and Valkyrie Falls if you want to follow mm-hmm. the the webcomic. Well, so yeah, coming back to Valkyrie Falls, then you, you explained a little bit how you have these protagonists who are trying to balance living in this kind of horrifying reality, it seems. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. So the story of Valkyrie Falls is about the main character is this woman named Lofthana, and she's the mother of three rowdy little boys. And she is left, as most of the women were at Viking times, to tend to the fields and to farm while all the warriors were off on their raids. And so while her husband and the rest of the men are off on raids, and the Vikings, the Vikings were very progressive in some ways. Many of their warriors were also women, and women could lead, and women could divorce their husbands, and so it was an interesting time for women because they actually had more power than in a lot of other cultures. Nevertheless, Lufthana is left to tend to the garden while her husband is off romping around on these raids, and as any opportunistic enemy would, they uh, attack Lufthana's village, which is called Valkyrie Falls. While the men are away. And so Lofthana and her friends are left to try to defend against the attack of these Pictish warriors who come in. And they carry off some of the kids. And 
Lofthena makes the tough decision to leave a couple of her kids behind to go after and try to rescue one of her sons that's kidnapped. And she takes a couple of the other women with her. And it becomes their story of chasing down these Pictish slavers that, that were kidnapping these kids. And when you get to the part of the story where, where you understand the Pict's motivation and you see why, it, we're, we're hoping it's an eye-opening experience as to what might motivate those characters. It's, just, it's a good... It's a, it's a good way for us to explore in tiny bite-sized pieces different topics. And so we try to tackle a lot of things that sometimes are even mature. There's a couple of strips that are about sexual abuse. And there's a couple of strips that are about cooking meals that your kids won't eat, you know? <laughs> and there's stories about sexism. And it's fun to write a comic strip that's just four panels. And you got to try to get a point across in this really small space. And so that's, it's a totally different practice. In addition to that, it has caught some attention of filmmakers around and we've been asked to do a screenplay. So I actually have turned the story into a more serious screenplay and we're at six episodes right now. It's written and we are looking to raise money to film that. Very cool. I, like I said before, you just kind of do everything, don't you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, except, well, I don't do a lot of podcasts, so. <laughs> well, you're the only one who doesn't at this juncture. It seems like everybody and their dog has one. Um, I'll interview you next week yeah, for mine. Yeah, no, yeah, for yours, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I don't think what I have to talk about is nearly as interesting as what you're doing. I could tell you how much your house is worth and, and how to sell it quickly. No, it's, it's... <laughs> You've, you got more going for you than you thought, oh, dude. I, I hope so. But like, again, like I said, it's um, I, I know some fantastic people, and I, I appreciate that. So I'll make sure there's links to all of your stuff on the Great. on the website, so people can try and click through and try and find you guys, and for sure follow Black Omen Comics on Facebook, right? And kind of see what they've got going on. We'll um, be at the different comic cons, Salt Lake Comic Con, FanX, and we do a lot of the other ones around the other states. We've done a couple in Denver. So, yeah, look first at the comic cons as well. Very cool. And so, and if you do go to a con, really do go look for them because Josh is just a, a fantastic human being. I'm very fortunate to have known him as long as I have. And he, he keeps sticking around regardless of how long it goes without us talking. <laughs> He's a good person. Uh, anything else you'd Thanks. like to, to chat about? Got anything else uh, coming down the line that's exciting or your hands full with all the no, awesome yeah, issue three should be coming soon, and of, um, of Purge Worlds. Yep, issue three of Purge Worlds should be coming soon. Uh, we probably won't have it at Fanex this time, but we should have it out in time for Christmas. And like I say, look in some of the local shops for it. We have a superhero comic we're actually working on that has a completely different spin on what it means to be a superhero, um, and that one is called SafeLives.org. Very cool. Again, we'll put a link to that, too. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on. Well, there you go, guys. That was uh, Josh Oman with Black Omen Comics. Like I mentioned, some really fantastic stuff when I was reading it. So if you get a chance to see that or read any of that, you can click through the links on the website. Probably put the links up in the Facebook post as well, just so people can click through and see what Josh and Chris are working on. It's just really awesome. We have here in Utah so many fantastic artists and business people who are doing some incredible things that maybe we might not be aware of simply because there's so much out there. So hopefully some of you can go check out a new comic and it might be something that you're into. It might be something that you really enjoy. I know I really have enjoyed it so far as well. 
that will do it for this go round. Coming up, we still have some more fantastic interviews and I'm trying to pick out some good topics that I can just sort of riff on because sometimes I like to do that as well. But thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe on iTunes. If you want to leave some reviews on iTunes, that would be fantastic as well because that kind of helps drive things up in rankings and do all that crap. That's why every podcaster tells you, go leave a review in iTunes. Do that for me. I'd really appreciate it. I would love any feedback. So you can reach me again at Keith at KeithCallister.com. That's K-E-I-T-H at K-E-I-T-H-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R.com. Or you can text me at 801-326-0315. If you want to be on the show, let me know and we'll figure out what we can talk about. Get you on the show so you can be immortalized in the interwebs. Till next time, we will talk to you later. Bye.